Hello again, folks. Welcome to another edition of Alpharetta Tech Talk. I'm John Ray, and we are coming to you from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank in beautiful Alpharetta. Uh, folks, I want to welcome a great guest, uh, old friend uh, Brock Coles. He's with Great Big Ideas. He's the founder and chief innovation officer with Great Big Ideas. Brock, welcome. How are you? It's good to be here again. It, it's great to have you back. Yeah. And uh, are we considered longtime friends now. We've known each other a long time in the community. I know. I know. <laughs> we we have. And and uh, and you you're always uh, awesome to talk to. So I could I could uh, uh, trip out. We could have a long show, but <laughs> we'll, we'll 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 try to jam as much in as we can here. Um, but for for those that don't know you, give a little introduction. Tell them about you and a little bit about your background and, and what you're up to at Great Big Ideas. Correct. Well, I've always just been an entrepreneur. I got very lucky with a startup in the late 90s, early 2000s called USA Technologies, a wireless, cashless technology. We started with um, a couple people, turned it into a penny stock, turned it into a couple dollar stock, and got it onto NASDAQ. NASDAQ. <clears throat> if you use a vending machine these days with a credit card, that's where the technology landed. And so... Along the way, I, I met Coca-Cola and um, uh, came down to Atlanta uh, to work on a lot of really great innovations, freestyle, plant bottle, uh, aluminum packaging, and, and that type of thing. And for um, folks that don't know, the freestyle machine is the one that they see in all the – Yeah, the, uh, t- the touch screen. Yeah. You can't miss it. Um, Where you can get 180 zillion flavors, which yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. you know, awesome story is uh, when I showed up there, they had 44 boxes, which were about one cubic foot of syrup p- piled up on the wall. And they said our design goal was to take 44 cubic feet of liquid and put it into 44 cubic inches of space. <laughs> and so <laughs> – <laughs> that's 80 pounds of potatoes in a 10 pound sack, right? That's, that's exactly it. And yeah. a lot of weird things happen, right? You know, uh-huh. when, when you go through the things, but I mean, that was the vision, right? And and that was the goal and it was an awesome team and the product is um, tremendous. Right? Yeah, it is. It is. So it is uh, the, um, uh, I, I worked, I worked in that role for a couple of years at Coke and then um, I started an open innovation program for them. And that allowed me to travel around the world, work with other entrepreneurs and startups. We really got good at working with companies, understanding the the business needs they had, translating those business needs into innovation challenges, and then sourcing solutions in the tech community. And so uh, it took about five years of pounding sand uh, to try to figure out how to do that in a big uh, company. Mm-hmm. Um, but we had three or four years of tremendous growth, and the program is still going today um, at Coke. Uh, we ended up setting up nine hubs and for every six technologies we looked at, we commercialized one, which was a phenomenal statistic for a big company yeah. in a lot of really critical areas of water and products, ingredients, and, 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 that, and that type of thing. So uh, in 2015, I left Coke. Um, I, uh, I felt like I might be doing the right thing, but in the wrong place, that there were a lot of corporates that were going through the same journey that Coke was, uh, wanting to explore how to use the tech community and, and how to bring business problems that can be turned into innovation challenges that companies and researchers and, and that could, could work on. So, um, so I built a network. Um, and I've been here in Alpharetta for, uh, for a long time, mm-hmm. um, and live here. Sure. Um, but, um, um, now I just sort of bounce from corporates to corporates. I work out of the innovation labs here. Um, they, they show up at a, at a regular clip, uh, with different types of innovation challenges. Uh, I like to think I'm a brand ambassador for them, um, a connector in the community, um, I have my own skills as an entrepreneur that I can go into their companies and help them work through and solve business problems. And I have a background with intellectual property so I can help 
both sides, both the startup and the corporates, protect those ideas. And so uh, my wife still doesn't know what I do for a living. Um, <laughs> well, and well, <laughs> we're my, coming up on our 20-year anniversary. It's funny. I go to places and she'll say to me, you know, hey, what's your husband do? And she just sort of pauses for a second and she'll say, well, why don't you just uh, tell them what you do, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? That's okay. You're on a journey, right? I'm so, on, yeah, on a yeah, yeah, we're all on a journey. Um, now. Brock, you uh, you're really passionate about injecting innovation into corporations, and we talked a little bit as we were uh, getting ready for the show here about all the issues that are involved in that, yeah. and there are a lot of issues involved in that. Um, talk about some of those. Yeah. So, so co- these big corporates are a beautiful thing, right? Sure. I mean, and, and and they've a lot of people work for them. And um, and they make gigantic products, and and they, their scale is enormous, and they're iconic, right? It's hard to imagine uh, some of these big companies uh, not existing, like Coca Cola mm-hmm. and uh, and and that type of thing. Right. Um, they they tend to focus on protecting and defending their existing business model, and they hire lots of people to do it. Um, you know, accountants and lawyers, and you know, engineers, <laughs> particularly the lawyers, and, right? right? And yeah. and and market their products, and so even in those big companies, innovation can be a foreign language to them. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it was at Coke, you know, you would go into a building and, you know, people uh, would say, uh, well, why do we want to change? Right. I mean, my metrics are to stay the same and to, and to do those types of things. And so uh, the, the benefits is that they, they have gigantic market access, right. And they have funds to spend on innovation when they can find the right problems to work on. And, and so a lot of times they just need somebody on the outside it can be a brand ambassador for them to help kind of guide them in the tech community and to facilitate those those types of those types of things. Uh, they want to be secretive about their problems, right? Mm-hmm. So taking the time to turn business problems into innovation challenges that are kind of anonymous and non-confidential is is good. Uh, a lot of them don't necessarily want to work with startups because they can't envision how scale up would work, and so they need to make sure that that you address on not only finding the solution, but when we find the solution, can we grow it, and how fast can we grow it, and can we generate you know revenue, and so. All of those dynamics are happening, right, uh, mm-hmm. inside of those companies, uh, and they're matrixed. Um, so not all the different boxes in the matrix are on board at all the same times, and there's a lot of checks and balances and friction points between profit centers and cost centers, legal, I mean, you name it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's a little bit of, um, um, I, I guess, um, the, the first innovation might be getting an, getting an idea through the business, right? <laughs> so we, we talked about, the confidentiality problem. Um, but then there's also the, um, I guess you might call it the, the IBM or McKinsey problem, right? The, yeah. That, that folks, the big corporates, they, the, and people inside those companies don't want to sign on to something. So, yeah. so radical, so innovative that it might, who knows, it might cost them their job down the yeah. road at the worst case scenario. You know, what's interesting about that is, um, and I've had this concept for a long time, uh, that kind of call it above and below the brand. Mm. And, and you can take any company you want, take Coca-Cola because I was there, right? There are certain companies that they look at above the brand, meaning they look up to. And their executives get a lot of credit if they can work with an IBM, if they can work with McKenzie, right? Everybody recognizes those names and everything. Sure. Um, the reality is that a lot of those companies are just as slow as they are and mm-hmm. just take us, you know, have the same types of hurdles uh, and issues and everything. And so they're not fast. You know, can't work on stuff and get them done quick. 
below the brand, right, or typically where the startups are. These are companies that would look up to Coca-Cola and, and everything, right? And in those scenarios, finding them and funding them and fostering them, you can get solutions in the marketplace really quick. And so it's it's tough to teach a company that they need a little bit of both, right? Mm-hmm. That if you want to deliver something now, you're going to have to work with some companies that are kind of light and nimble and go fast. And if you want to work with something that you could do later, then building those partnerships with the big companies is is important. And so – but a lot of times the companies just focus on the big partnerships mm. and um, I think it, it takes them a long time to get any sort of innovation out of those relationships. So does that make sense? Yeah, it, make, it yeah. makes perfect sense. Now I, I don't want to get too far into this show without uh, the great story you were telling off the air, because sometimes big companies come along and they are looking for innovation and then they have a, trouble getting people outside to pay attention. You've got a great story about that. Yeah. So um, when I first came to Coke, we worked on the freestyle dispenser, right? You see in the Mm -hmm. quicksilver reference, uh, awesome technology, right? I mean, I shared boxes and everything, dozens and dozens of great idea, 200 people, super smart. I mean, just inventing everything, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. That was on there. Uh, The the company then decided they were going to move that project from uh, corporate to North America for commercialization. And they took 199 of the people with them and left me behind. Um, <laughs> and um, uh, while I missed not working on that project, they asked me to start an open innovation program. Okay. And um, I had a partner uh, from a packaging group that was there. And, uh, he and he and I began the journey of what open innovation is. And so I Googled it. Um, found that uh, there was a book online from Dr. Henry Chesborough. He's a good friend now at yeah. um, uh, UC Berkeley. Uh-huh. I bought the book, read it, and, and I called him, right? And yep. um, I said, Henry, you know, how about coming and, you know, giving your assessment of, of Coke, right? And um, he turned me down, mm. hung up the phone, but uh, then called me back. He just hung up on you, huh? He, he hung up. Yeah, he hung up. I told him that in his book, he had picked all the easy examples. You know, he had found Xerox and IBM and P&G and a lot of the companies that really had very innovative programs for a long time, right? And he'd yeah. those as examples. Oh, you um, got up in his grill then. Got up in his grill. <laughs> so, but um, he did come, he did take a look, and this is maybe the funny part of the story that yeah. we were hinting at. Yeah. Um, it was Christmas time and he was delivering his outcome. And, um, you know, a lot of people were gone at Coke. I felt by myself. Mm. Uh, my partner was off uh, with a job interview mm. uh, of all things uh, we're getting ready to start the uh, you know this this new uh, adventure together and and I'm already thinking I might be one man down and <laughs> uh, uh, Henry called yeah and uh, it sounded like there was a gigantic party in the background and uh-huh. I was saying Henry Henry you know what's the answer what's it going to be he says Brock you know I don't have the time right now things are going on here I hear you know noises music and everything he says I, I don't think it's going to work um, I says, what do you mean? He says, I don't, I don't think innovation is going to work at Coke right now. And, mm. um, I says, Henry, you gotta be kidding me. I can't, I can't go back with those recommendations. He says, I'm going to tell you why he says, uh, you know, companies have to have a certain amount of pain in the system, right? You know, stock price down competitors, you know, mm. eating their lunch, that type of thing. And it just didn't exist, um, at that time for Coke. And so, um, I hung up the phone a little, um, little down, Right. That, yeah. uh, here's the uh, world-renowned expert telling you that it's going to be a little bit harder than you thought. Sure. Um, then my partner called, and uh, he says, "Brock, Brock, you know what did Henry say?" And I said, "Man, Henry said take the job." <laughs> <laughs> so things were going too well at Coke for it really to work. It took us five years. Wow. Five years of pounding the sand, mm. try to figure out, um, you know, how inside of a big company to identify the right problems to work on 
how to convert those problems into something that we could share externally, how to, mm. you know, look in the right places in order to bring ideas back into the company and everything. And so I think a lot of companies go through the journey, right? And this is where I feel like having moved from Coke and gone into the tech community myself with great big ideas to just focus on this particular aspect can really speed them up, right? There's no sure. reason to go through those learnings. Um, if somebody can help coach you through it, they become more viable to our tech community quicker um, with a little bit of, a little bit of help. So companies generally need to be at a certain level of corporate desperation, I'll call it, um, with, with their backs against the wall um, in order to, 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 uh, take a dive into the innovation pool, as it were, uh, talk about some of the companies and you don't have to mention them by name, of course, but you've mentioned, you've worked with some companies in that state. Um, and they've had some, you've had some successes with them. Correct. Yeah. I worked, I worked with a real large bank, um, with a long history. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and, and they were very concerned that they would wake up one day and, uh, a lot of these new technologies would, would have just passed them by. Right. Um, and so, you know, their, their business pressure they were feeling was, you know, to stay relevant to the next generation of, of consumers. Um, so they actually had started an enterprise patent office. Um, what they were going to do was harvest ideas, uh, from across their entire enterprise and they were going to convert those ideas into something that they could patent and, and build a portfolio of really forward looking and novel ideas. And then over time, as they felt which ideas were really going to be marketable, they could then take those patents and implement those, those solutions. And so I think that was a great way for them to spend money um, and communicate internally the why they were spending it mm -hmm. and turn that intellectual property now into something that they can bring back into the tech community and begin to implement those ideas as they see fit in the business. Uh, gives our entrepreneurs an opportunity to maybe work with a large bank, help bring an idea to life, run a solution, um, you know, be part of, um, uh, of, something, of something bigger. And so it was a great example, I think, of, of how they, they leveraged it. Sure. Um, another was a big insurance company. They um, uh, have the hey have the problem of writing the checks uh, when people make insurance claims, but they don't really feel like they control reducing um, uh, the claims themselves. And so their version of innovation was to take the top five areas where they were writing the largest checks and to work with their top five clients um, in those areas on joint solutions. And so one was slip and fall. Uh, in restaurants. And so they picked a client that was um, uh, meaningful to them um, in that space. And we collaborated on um, articulating that challenge and finding solutions. Um, another one was reducing the amount of fires in buildings. Um, and so they partnered with another company, a client of theirs who had lots of buildings um, and made the challenge. And we were able to then go find solutions for that. And they went into water. Uh, they went into workplace safety and some of the others. And so here's another great example of two companies co-creating, right, which reduces mm. the risk for them. Sure. Um, and at the same time, it's very to see the, the, the business, right? You know, the company provides a solution. Maybe their rates go down, you know, then the insurance company can write fewer claims, you know, and, and, and whatnot. And so another great example, right, of how, how these companies can solve their own business problems but leverage the tech community, you know, to do it. Mm-hmm. For sure. Folks, if you, if you just joined us, we're speaking with Brock Coles, and he is the founder and chief innovation officer at Great Big Ideas. So corporates are in uh, – corporate 
entities are engaged with the tech community in several different ways, uh, a myriad of ways. What do you see that's effective and what's really a kind of a waste of time? So uh, I think almost all the companies want to come into the tech community at some level or another, right? There's just too much activity going on for them not to be curious. It usually takes a strong senior leader um, in place at the company to sort of uh, give permission, if mm. you will, mm-hmm. or cast an umbrella over those executives and give them the ability to go to go and experiment. Um, I think they all come into the community kind of in a learning phase. Uh, they want to maybe attend some events and they want to begin to to look and see what's going on, right? More curiosity than anything else. Um, internally, they're trying to figure out what innovation is and how it's going to work and how we rewire the organizations and, and that type of thing. Um, about 85% of the companies get stuck in that spot, though. So they're not really a value to the tech community per se, right? We're not getting right. business needs from them and they're not starting projects, but it's an important learning step to go through. And I think the role that the tech community can play in that is to provide activities that help move them along, right? Um, about 15% of the companies can then get to a point where they can explore. And that is where they're maybe meeting a startup or or giving a, a problem to solve or p- participating in some meaningful way. Internally, they've began to thought about how to budget and maybe how to bring a project into the company and, and that type of thing. About about 15% of the companies get to that point um, on there, which is good. You can start to start to do things with them. Only about 5% really, I think, attain a level where they're, they're proficient, right? Meaning that they can articulate a problem. They can go out as a challenge. They can find a solution. They have know how to budget for it. They can assign executives and, and they have some sort of metric that they measure at Coke for every six things we looked at, we commercialized one. And so it was a simple metric to say, um, and a lot of companies struggle, I think, to get to that, get to that, get to that point. Sure. Um, let, let's switch gears just a second. I mean, and talk about from the startup point of view, what startups have this issue of trying to get in and work with corporations. They like to solve those problems as you talk about what are the big mistakes you see startups making in approaching corporate yeah. So I think I tell people the hypothesis that you should start with the startup is they're probably working in the right area, but they're probably working on the wrong problem. Hmm. And I think it's just business acumen, you know, that if they don't have the industry experience, sometimes it's difficult for them to really understand, you know, what, what the problem is, is to solve. Um, on the corporate side, the corporates absolutely understand the business problem to solve. And, and the value proposition is if they can communicate that to a startup, then they're on track and then success can be there. But the startups have historically a very low probability of success, right? And I think it's the business acumen and working on the wrong problem that that is really what, what holds them down. In the corporate environment, there's very intolerant of, of failure. And so if you you pick your number, if it's 80% failure or 90% failure in the starting community, I think a lot of executives understand that they cannot inherit that um, in, their, in their company. And the objective then of the tech community is to find ways to raise the business acumen of the startups and reduce the risk for the corporates so they get to a point where it's, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a success for both. Right. Comes together. Um, so let's, uh, let's get specific about what you talked about some of your success stories at great big ideas and what the folks you've been working with, but talk about the different ways that corporations can engage with you. 
Correct. And, and how that how that works. Correct. So I've I've organized a, a collection of capabilities, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I pitch it as um, these are the things if you're coming into the tech community that you're going to need. Um, the first thing that we do is we try to do a discovery and design with them, mm. where we can maybe go to the company, spend a week, two weeks, three weeks, um, and maybe as long as five weeks that it takes to understand what it is that their company does, um, what it is that their goals are, and then to try to figure out how the, the tech community can help them reach those goals. So we put together an innovation roadmap, mm. very simple, very clear, gives them step-by-steps that we can do, and, and it's a great step. Um, part of that is taking a look at patents and trends and helping them understand where their competitor are mm. and, and where they can maybe help build a new competitive advantage. If they have an, an Amazon problem, say that, you know, Amazon's come into their business and really disrupted them um, as it has in logistics sure. and, and that type of thing. Of so course. The question is, how do we get, how do we solve that problem? How do we do it with new technologies that we can own and that type of thing and whatnot? So that's part of this generation roadmap, discovering what the problem is, designing a solution for it, really helping them understand how the tech can, tech community can, can do that. The second step is what I call bootstrap patenting. And it really has to do with two parts, right? Um, whether the idea originates from a startup or whether the idea is a concept that a corporate has, the goal is you need to protect it before you do anything. And a lot of times, even in corporates, the high cost of that patent protection is something that prevents it from happening. And so as a service, right, both to the startup or the corporate, right, we do that work for them. Mm. We'll write those applications and get them a patent pending status on their idea. Um, in the corporate pr- uh, pr- uh, perspective, it actually then reduces it from instead of you giving the idea to the tech community, you owning the idea and engaging the tech community to build it. And it's a big mind shift for, for corporates to be able to own the idea and then engage the tech community to develop the solution. And so I think it's real important. The third step then is finding talent. Um, a lot of them uh, do very innovative programs. I work with a healthcare company where they wanted to find talent around the world in different cities so that they could have tech scouts out there as well. So they hired two entrepreneurs in Tel Aviv, uh, Berlin, in Madrid, uh, and then once a quarter, in addition to them working on the technology for the company, um, uh, once a quarter, uh, they would uh, have them do uh, an innovation um, uh, pitch, if you will, to their corporate executives about what was going on in the tech community. And so uh, they hired them as interns, which is another great strategy that we try to help the companies do because those programs typically already exist mm. inside companies. And so if you can bring your talent in as interns, it works really good. And so that type of coaching and that type of network to help them find and bring talent around a problem is another great, uh, it's a great way to, to think about a solution. Now here in Atlanta, we've got several innovation labs. And what kind of role do they play for corporates? So uh, the innovation labs here are awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been around the country probably like you have. Mm-hmm. And uh, some cities pop up a lab um, here and there. Uh, but we really have different types of DNA in our labs. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of them are very focused on startups. A lot of them are founded by successful entrepreneurs. And so they really bring um, a, a unique perspective. Uh, they're adjacent to universities downtown. So you get this great cross-pollinization between young minds uh, and uh, and the labs and everything. Um, they can help the corporates in a lot of different ways. Um, one is um, in knowing that all the corporates are new to this when they first start, um, you know, providing these recurring events that that come up where corporates can come and, and uh, they can learn about how 
uh, companies or interfacing with the tech communities is, is a great way for, for them to get started. Um, a lot of the companies that I work with, they want to have space. They want to be able to come and do offsite meetings in the labs, right? This makes them feel innovative. It gets them out of their four walls. It gives the, um, you know, the leadership teams an opportunity to look forward to their, their once a month meeting offsite, uh, and that type of thing. Um, which is, which is a, a great way to do that. Um, the other is a lot of them might want to workshop. Um, they all do their annual meetings at one time or another. We've done quite a bit with um, bringing in professors to talk about artificial intelligence and how it might apply to their business or um, uh, data visualization tools and look at how companies maybe in their sector are beginning to view data differently. Something that really engages them in some way to say, hey, look at these things that are going on in the community. I'm going to events. I'm doing my offsite meetings. I'm you know, having these workshops where entrepreneurs and researchers are coming in uh, to talk about the the secret hidden goal here. And don't tell anybody on your show is to get them. Uh, it, your secret's safe with me. It's, it's got to be secret, John. Yeah. I want to know <laughs> as, as we're manipulating these companies uh-huh. to get them to feel comfortable in the tech community. So right. They'll bring us their problems. Because, sure. Because um, those innovation challenges around their problems, that that's the oxygen for our right. entrepreneurs. Right. Right. They, they have a market. They have funding. They have a problem to work on. These are three of the hardest things to come up with uh, that are there. And so the more companies that we can get to participate, the better off it is for our entrepreneurs. Yeah, because what what, uh, companies are doing is not something that's just good for themselves, although it's very good for themselves, but it helps develop an ecosystem that they're going to need to rely on for years to come, right? That's exactly it. They can no longer get past it. About uh, I had a statistic, um, and I don't have the sheet uh, around anymore to show you this, but it's an amazing one. 30 years ago, about 85% of innovation came out of corporates. Only about 15% came out of the startup community, right? Mm. Now it's exactly swapped. About 85% of innovation comes out of the startup community, only about 15% from corporates. And so in some regards, they don't have a choice. I mean, they need to find a way to come into the tech community to access this type of things, right? We're not we're not having to tell them that they have a, an innovation issue. They they know they have an innovation issue. Sure. The question is, how do we get them into a form that's actually useful for us, right, in the tech community? And I, I think a lot of these, you know, um, using the labs and some of the things we talk about are are great ways to uh, great ways to start. Now, you know, Brock, it strikes me that er- all of us have uh, uh, what people think, uh, what what we do, and then what people think we do. And um, it strikes me that you're as much um, uh, not just a innovation injector uh, in, into larger companies, but um, you really help them or, or uh, navigate the organizational issues that are involved with that. And yeah. those are people issues, they're uh, HR issues, they're uh, uh, organizational development issues yeah. that don't have anything to do with technology, right? It is. Yeah. So call it the internal wiring. Yeah. Right. Um, a lot of times, uh, you know, what the companies are doing on the outside is a reflection of what's, what's happening on the inside, right. Or what's missing. So if, if they if they can't do more than come to events or if they can't start a project, it, it's typically a reflection of what's going on on the inside. And so it's important when they decide to come into the tech community that I spend some time inside their organization to understand what's going on. To give you one example, we work with this great big logistics company, right? And they had a they had an on customer onboarding process that was 180 steps, oh my. 17 work streams. 180 steps to onboard a customer, right? Now it was well-documented and they understood the process and they identified that every single one of the steps was necessary, but 
And when it comes to innovation, right? Mm. I mean, these are the types and kinds of internal barriers that prevent them from really creating the, the wiring to speed things up internally, which translates into being able to do things more nimbly um, out in there. And so some continuous improvement to help companies on the inside with these processes um, are much needed, you know? Sure. Absolutely. So um, we're wrapping up here. Now I want to you to have your opportunity to get the message out to um, corporates uh, and folks inside uh, corporations here, both locally and around this in, in this region to, to come and be part of the tech community. What's your message? So they all need to come out and play. I mean, there is an obligation here. I think that corporates have, um, they certainly have the, the problems um, that people want to work on. Um, there are things to do for every budget. And it doesn't matter how busy the executives are. There's always a bit of time to come on out. There's people like myself in the community that want to be your brand ambassador. I want to find ways to help uh, do this innovation and, and everything else, but that they're, they need to take a first step and, and to come on out and see that it's not that scary um, and whatnot. Um, a lot, I always tell people, even when you don't have a budget internally this year for innovation, you always have the ability to knowledge build and begin to come out and learn about the resources, learn about the universities, learn about our labs. Um, there's always ways to sponsor. I mean, we're constantly looking for sponsors for these events, John, right? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it, you know, even the pizza night on Thursday is important, right. you know, and it's an opportunity for, for a company to, to come and, and be, and be part of it. In fact, um, uh, we were doing down, uh, with, uh, tech square labs mm-hmm. a couple of years ago, there was a statistic that they had down there that, um, of the top graduates, right. Uh, the best one always has a job and the next two or three always find stuff to do out of town. Um, uh, and if you really wanted to have a, have a top recruit, you'd have to convince them that, that you're innovative, right. And one way to do that is to be in the tech community, um, and be present and it'll help you hire smarter people because they'll see you as a company that they want to, they want to work for. And so there's, there's a lot of benefits. So it helps me if you come out and I don't have to coax you out. Uh, <laughs> but once you, <laughs> once you come out, there's a lot of things that companies can do that aren't budget busters, you know, even on a, on a company that, that has to watch every penny mm-hmm. that is incredibly beneficial uh, to it. Just being a mentor. I mean, right. you know, the value of, of having a CEO or a, a VP sit down with a startup at a lunch meeting and share with them um, a bit about their industry, you know? Sure. Uh, so every one of these companies that they're at a different spot and they've got different ways to connect. And the only way they can know how to connect for them is to talk to you. So tell them how they can get in touch with you. That's it. Great. So I'm, uh, I'm in Atlanta um, and uh, I'm here every day. Uh, working out of the Innovation Labs. Um, I work uh, out of Atlanta Tech Park right now. You can look up their website, um, atlantatechpark.com. Uh, my company is Great Big Ideas, uh, G-R-8-B-I-G-I-D-E-A-S. And um, I focus just working with uh, corporates and helping them connect. I'd, I'd welcome any sort of connection, call, email. Mm-hmm. You can find me on the website. Um, you can send me a message at brock at greatbigideas.com. But um, uh, I'm easily found. And I can help companies really understand what it is they're trying to do and help plug them into what's going on in, uh, in our community here. Awesome. Brock, uh, great to have you with us. Excellent. Thanks, John. As always. Yeah. Thank you folks. Um, today you're connected more than ever, whether it's your friends, your family, or your life. Renaissance understands how you bank 
offering you mobile banking services that you need, but they also know that sometimes you need to speak to real people with real answers uh, and not dial 1-800 number. And that's why they've got more than 190 convenient locations throughout the South ready to serve you. For more information, go to renaissancebank.com. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. Uh, just a reminder, uh, we do this show every Thursday, uh, live at 1130, and sometimes we do special shows. Uh, but uh, we, we love uh, following uh, tech leaders in and around the uh, Alpharetta, North Fulton area. So if you miss any of our live shows, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. We're on all of them. Uh, so check us out. Um, you can also uh, go online to NorthFultonBusinessRadio.com. Find us there as well. Um, check us out on social media, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, the usual spots, North Fulton BRX. So for my guest, Brock Coles, I'm John Ray. Join us next time here on Alpharetta Tech Talk.